guys, welcome back to the Training Camp Podcast. The Training Camp Podcast. I got a new chair. With a multitude of guests. <laughs> can't say he's wrong, am I right? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You, dolphins. <laughs> no, I, I really like Stupid games. 5-0 last week. That's right. 5-0. Dak Prescott, you could lock up that four seed. Again, it's not blazing hot. 65 degrees. I'm going to do this for fun. They threw to Michael Thomas. The Heat. How? Chicago. Yes, you guys get an F. And a little too much personality. No, no. Last week. No, no, Ravens? Oh, fuck. Give me that. <laughs> no way. There's no way. Hammering. Three. Really, do not talk about him. This was my fault. Flex the game. Here we go. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the... Training camp. I don't know why that came off very Canadian. Hey, hey guys, how are ya? Um, okay, so welcome to. <laughs> yeah, ninety percent of people that don't watch is normally just went. All right, I'm done. Uh, all right, welcome to training camp podcast. Uh, let's see what's what's new in the world, like my world. Before we hop into sports, nothing. It's warm now in Utah, like consistently, like too fucking warm. Like it's gonna be in the nineties next week, so that sucks. But yeah, I have nothing to report on. You guys aren't here for that anyway. You're here to, to talk about sports, so let's hop into news of the week. We don't have that much this week, honestly, because the two store, the two main segments we're gonna talk about are basically the bigger stuff. Uh, all right, so. Number one, so Wayne Gretzky, he's going to be hosting a TNT uh, NHL show in the fall, which I think is awesome. I am a hockey fan. I'm a Penguins fan. Um, not bandwagon. Listen, not bandwagon. Okay, my family's originally from Pittsburgh, so like I got blood in the Pirates. Yes, the Pirates. We've, we've talked about it. Hate it, but they're my team. Uh, Pirates, Steelers, and Penguins. So, uh, I do love hockey, but I think one of the things that sucks is, like, hockey does not, the NHL as a league does not do a very good job advertising uh, the league itself because, I don't actually know why, because hockey is a very fun sport to watch both live and especially, like, the Stanley Cup. I love watching the Stanley Cup, and I think the NHL has not done a very good job marketing the league towards uh, newer viewers, but now that they signed a contract with ESPN and TNT, maybe that'll change. I think getting Wayne Gretzky, obviously, like, arguably the greatest hockey player to ever play. Uh, to be an analyst and a host is a really, really smart move for them, especially because it, it might draw in older uh, fans to like a, a bigger market TV station like TNT, which obviously you know, they have NBA on TNT. And so that, that'll be good. And also it might introduce a lot of the younger players into, or the younger fans uh, to kind of ease more into hockey. So I think that's awesome. Um, I think that there, there needs to be more nationally televised hockey games because I think people would genuinely, especially like, because hockey comes on at a time where like sports are kind of in a drought. Because it's like, all right, well, football, like, usually the Stanley Cup is like, all right, well, football isn't starting yet, and the NBA just ended, and MLB isn't really in the postseason yet. So, like, it's such a good spot to be in. So, I think that they should take full advantage of it, and I, I'm hoping this is good for hockey because I, I do like watching NHL games, and especially the playoffs because just the atmosphere is awesome. And also going to hockey games, uh, Utah here in Utah, we have the Utah Grizzlies. Love going to Utah Grizzly games. Um, yeah. All right, number two. Uh, Brady, so the match uh, has been set uh, part three at this point. With So we have Brady and Mickelson on a team against Rodgers and uh, DeChambeau. This is going to be so much fun. I really wish that they would have gotten Kopka instead of uh, Mickelson, but it's like it kind of makes sense because you got like the younger guys and Rodgers and DeChambeau. 
And then you have the vets in Brady and Mickelson. Uh, love it already. I mean, this got announced just like an hour or two ago, and Brady's already like trash talking hella. I mean, he called Aaron Rodgers a Jeopardy host, so I love it. Uh, again, very similar to NHL. I do love golf. I go golfing every single summer, and just when it's warm, I love golfing a lot. Um, not saying I'm amazing, but I do enjoy golfing, and I, I think it's a really fun way to spend a weekend with buddies. And being JP and like Easton, you guys don't know Easton, but Easton and I went golfing a couple times last year. JP and I want to go a little bit this year so love golfing uh I watched the match last year it was so much fun I'm really looking forward to this but like I said I really thought especially with, with, with what just happened between DeChambeau and Kafka I, th I, thought, I thought it would have been way better if they would have gotten Kafka to be on team Roger or on team Brady that would have been so funny because uh, it would have been like a real rivalry and it probably would have been some actual tension would have loved that now looking forward to this um I know probably none of you guys are though because you guys are strictly football fans because if I talk about anything else you guys hate it <laughs> Uh, speaking of football, Vinatieri, the greatest kicker of all time and the NFL all-time points leader, uh, officially announced his retirement today. I think it was on the Packet McAfee show. Um, that's, I mean, it sucks, man. It makes me feel old because I, my entire life, Vinatieri has been in the NFL. Uh, it, it's kind of like how once, you know, Big Ben retires, I will not really have remembered a time before Big Ben as the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback. Obviously, I was born before he was, but like, I don't really remember. I was too damn young to remember the Cordell Stewart years. But like in my entire life, Vinatieri has been the guy, like the guy. Um, and so now it's gonna be, it's kind of like my parents, like my dad and my mom talking about Gary Anderson. Like I can respect it, but I can't experience it. And so now whenever, hopefully I have kids, um, when I'm talking to them, I'm gonna be talking about Vinatieri, how my parents talked about like Gary Anderson, like, oh, this is the greatest kicker of all time. You know, he's the all time uh, points leader. And also just like one of the clutchest guys ever. And so, I mean, it sucks, but like good for him too, because he's what, 53? And so the fact that he could, uh, you know, play football at that age, I know he's only a kicker, but still, it's still a, a very fast paced sport. And you still have 11 men running at you at full speed trying to kill you. So it's very impressive, but we already know that Brady's probably going to play until he's 70 at this point, because he saw, oh, what's that? Vinatieri has the record for oldest player, 53? Okay, easy. 10 years away easy oh my god when brady's 10 years from now and brady's what 55 i'll be 30 that's nuts hate that thought okay let's keep going <laughs> um and then lastly news of the week the nfl did announce that nfl stadiums will be at max capacity this year love that i'd love to go to a game specifically the chargers steelers game in los angeles with my boy jp but tickets are hella expensive like not expensive, like the cheapest ticket for like nosebleed, yeah, two fifty. What are you doing, SoFi? I understand. I understand like the Chargers are probably the future. I understand it's LA. Maybe this, I, I JP, this is okay, Japes. This is like a bit at this point. Seriously? Really? Really, Japes? <laughs> That's wild. Uh, so where was I? Oh yeah, Chargers, Steelers. Yeah, no, I know it's the Steelers, like one of the greatest franchises in the history of, of the sport, but like, can we drop the tickets? Cause like your, your, your ticket prices for the Denver Chargers game in SoFi are like 90 bucks at the cheapest. Can we do that? I don't know, we'll see what happens. But no, that's awesome, the max capacity. I think it's, it's really weird, especially like watching the NBA right now. Um, you know, the NBA is slowly letting in more people. Uh, especially those who are like vaccinated and so you're seeing these stadiums start to get fuller and fuller and fuller and it, at first it was really weird because I'm not 
like I haven't been used to that for about a year, but it's kind of nice because you'll hear you'll you'll like see a big shot get hit and you're used to just like the announcer being like and James for three and then just like silence. But now you can actually you hear the the live fans and like Amono went to the Jazz game. He went to game one of the Jazz Memphis series, um, and so you know it's really nice to be able to experience that again whether you're watching it and you hear the crowd or you're live and you get to be a part of that crowd so i think it's awesome i think it'll be a little dis uh what's the word it's like it'll be a little dis when <laughs> when uh it first starts because we're not used to it but then it, i think it'll ease us back in i think it'll make the season a lot better um okay let's hop into it yeah we're gonna talk about it. we're gonna talk about it the lakers no the other LA team. That's right, the Clippers. Bro, <laughs> who? Okay. Flashback. Rewind with me. Two two years ago, I'm sitting, and uh, the Nets are like, or uh, yeah, the Nets are like, hey, we just got KD from the Warriors in a signing trade. I'm like, damn, that's a pretty interesting team. And the Clippers said, oh, that's interesting. How about we sign Kawhi? I'm like, oh, that's also kind of interesting. And then the Nets said, you know what? Let's add Kyrie too. And I was like, oh. And the Clippers said, you know what? Let's trade literally everything for Paul George. And I was like, ow. This is really interesting. Maybe a, maybe the Clippers Nets are going to be in the, the finals for the next five years. No. No. I wouldn't be surprised if the Clippers aren't even in the playoffs in five years from now. Okay, let's talk about the game. So you guys are now down, the Clippers, you know, as if the Clippers ownership is watching this, uh, down 2-0, you've lost home court advantage, and you guys just look bad. Uh, okay, let's talk about this. You're, you guys are the worst closers somehow. You guys have like one of the best mid-range shooters in the league, and you also have a really good shooter in Paul George, and you guys can't score in the last three to five minutes of the series, or of just games? I mean, this isn't even just a playoffs thing. This is this was happening in the regular season. Uh, I mean, it, first two games, you guys are being outscored twenty-four to fifteen in the final three minutes. Yeah, yeah, 20, 24 to fifteen against the horribly, horribly uh, built defensive team of the Mavericks. Mavericks might have offense, but they are not good defensively at all. So you guys are being outscored by that, and you're also not locking the Mavericks down offensively. What? <laughs> Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, two of the best wing defenders, arguably, in the NBA. Zubac, one of the best stretch men in the NBA, uh, especially defensively because of his length. And then Pat Bev, like, this should not be... I mean, Nicholas Batum is honestly a very underrated defender. Uh, so it's like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Um... I think between Kawhi and Paul George, you guys should be able to figure out who guards Luka and who guards Porzingis. Like, in my mind, the way that this gets fixed is not fixed, but a, a good way to ensure. Because you guys have been in the games. It's just the last five minutes, you guys fall apart, both offensively and defensively. Um, and so, you know, you want to hold them defensively. I think, honestly, putting Kawhi on. I know, I know Luka is the better player between Porzingis and Kawhi, but. Porzingis doesn't like to post up, so that's easily the Clippers' uh, benefit. You put Kawhi on Porzingis because Kawhi is a little more height than PG. You put PG on Luca. Obviously, PG is not going to just lock up Luca. That's not a knock on PG. That's a compliment to Luca. Um, 
but now that you have size on Porzingis, who hates being in the post, you don't have to worry about the strength game. You don't have to worry about a 7-2 guy going against a, what, what's Kawhi, 6-9? You don't have to worry about that because Porzingis loves to sit on the perimeter, and so you're locking that down. Okay, cool. Yeah, Tim Hardaway had a really good game last night, but I, he is one of the most, he'll give you, uh, Kenny Beecham said it, uh, King of the Fourth Quarter said it, like, really, really good. He's like, you know what? Hardaway will give you like 30 for a week and then the next week average like 11 like and it's so true and that could happen in this series and you know what if I'm the Clippers and I and I get beat by Tim Hardaway Jr. and Willie Cauley Stein I can live with that because I know that I at least you know locked down Luka and Porzingis it's kind of like uh the Sun series like if CP went down and the Lakers were to lose the series like okay you're being beaten by Devin Booker DeAndre and a bunch of role players, like very, very young players and role players. Okay, you can live with that because it's not like you weren't, you know, locking down the best players. But if Luka is feasting on you guys and then now Porzingis is feasting on you guys, hello? Then, yeah, the rhythm is going to translate over to other players like uh, Willie Cauley-Stein, like Tim Hardaway Jr., like Jalen Brunson. Like, that's just going to happen. And you guys are now 0-5 in your last five, five playoff games, Los Angeles. Like, what? And what? Like, I don't understand. And the fact that, you know, uh, all of Luka's playoff experience is against the Clippers, wild. Eight games, three wins. That's nuts. Um, And I just think the Clippers, the reason the Clippers are falling apart in my eyes is that they, in this offseason, they focused way too much on building a team that can defensively slow down LeBron and the Lakers. And they forgot, oh, wait, we have to score. And so... Yes, I know they were one of the most offensively efficient teams in the NBA this year, but also they were resting players, so it's much different. But now that comes playoff time and you need your best scorers on the court all the time, guess what? They're not used to playing those minutes. So now they're going to get gassed, and then when the last five minutes comes in, they're gassed, and they're either not going to make their shots or they're going to choose really, really bad shots to take. So it's like, I see what you're doing, Los Angeles, but you forgot one of the bigger things. You guys are like, all right, we're going to lock down LeBron. And then they were like, all right, cool, so how are we going to score? And the Clippers were like, what? With the what? Score? No, we just locked down LeBron. And then Anthony Davis like, we're good, right? I think that's how you win. Just hold them. Well, what about like scoring? Oh, we'll, we'll figure that out later. Scoring. What's that? Hmm? We got Kawhi. We got PG. That's essentially what was happening. Um, yeah, honestly, though, the Clippers probably, I don't see them getting out of the first round, man. Down 2-0, next two games in Dallas, like I said with um, kind of the NFL and how they're like easing in more fans, there's going to be more fans in the stadium in Dallas, and these are fans who are desperate for a playoff win and would love to see a playoff win. And uh, I don't know, man, Dallas is like has that atmosphere of a winning culture. I mean, you go even go back to like the Dirk days of what, 2000, uh, was it 11? Um, you know, where Dallas was kind of like one of the better teams, if not one of the best teams in the West. And the fans were always there. They were always rooting on. Uh, when they went to the finals, the, fa- the fans were always sold out. And so, like, this is not going to be an easy series for the Clippers. Now, I'm not saying that the Clippers can't take two games in Dallas, but damn, is that going to be hard because you can't take two games in your own, like, home court. There's no shot you guys are going to take two games in uh, Dallas. And so, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they took one but I do see this being set up in a very 3-1 situation, but the Clippers are not able, like, if the Clippers are down 3-1 and they're able to come back, come back, like, yeah, there'll be a bunch of memes, like, oh, they were down 3-1 last year and then they came back, blah, 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 but, like, you guys shouldn't have been down 3-1 in the first place. If anything, this you guys should be up 3-1 at some point in the series, but, I mean, no hope now. Your best hope for that is 3-2. Uh, so, 
I don't know, man. This is one of the things that like, I don't know how they fix this. I don't know what adjustments they make because like watching them, when you watch an NBA game, you're like, oh, okay, cool. I can see why this is happening. When I'm watching the Clippers, which me and JP watched the Lakers game and the Clippers game last night, and I'm watching the Lakers, I'm like, Lakers and the Suns, I'm, and they're both like, okay, I can see why they're making these adjustments. I can see why they're running this play. I can see what's happening. And then with the with the Mavericks, I'm like, okay, I can, I can kind of understand what's going on here. With the Clippers, I'm like, what are you, like, maybe, okay. And then the Clippers also, like, love to just not take the, like, they love to deflect the blame. Like, all right. Doc Rivers is a problem. Let's fire him. Okay, cool. Now Doc Rivers is the first seed in the East. I know it's the East, but still, like he fixed what 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 seemed like an unfixable relationship between Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. All right, cool. Uh, the issue was Lou Williams. All right, cool. Lou Williams just you know kind of helped Atlanta win their first uh, playoff game this year and overcame you know what everyone thought was going to be an easy New York series. Uh, okay, the problem was Montrez Harrell. Well, Montrez is balling out in the other uh, team in Los Angeles right now. Yeah, he's kind of got the same role that he had with you guys last year, but he's having a little more success on the team. So it's like, maybe you guys with the problem? And, like, honestly, I remember, what, three... So, yeah, they got the players two years ago. So three years ago, like, watching this team with Gallinari, Shea, uh, oh, God, oh, God, I forgot his name. I forgot his name. Oh, fuck. But just the younger players, and then Lou Will, Montrez, like, they had such a fun team, and they, they were the eight seed against the Warriors, I believe, and, like, kind of, people were like, could the Clippers upset the Warriors? And then, like, I think they lost in six in that series, but, like, that was so fun team to watch. I was like, you know what? Good for these guys. And then when they got PG and Kawhi, I was like, good for these guys. And then they started to talk, and I was like, don't like that. And then they started to lose, and I was like, that's not good, and now they're down 0-2, and I'm like, this is bad. So, I mean, not only is being down 0-2 a horrible situation, but you're kind of putting your franchise in a really, really iffy situation because, I mean, if you told Kawhi two years ago, okay, cool, yeah, you're going to go to Los Angeles with Paul George, and they're like, what? And you get to basically keep that bench for the first year. You'd be like, what? And then you go, yeah, but you don't get out of the second round the first year and probably not the first round of the second year, and you basically trade away the entire future so you have no draft picks. Kawhi would be like, you know, I'll probably just stay in Toronto and win the East for the next three years, but thanks for the offer, Los Angeles. And so, yeah, the Clippers are in a really shitty situation where it's like they'd have no future. Uh, the thunder own their future they don't have very many promising young players and their front office seems to be lost and if i had to guess i really don't see paul george or Kawhi resigning once their contracts are up because like why would you if i'm Kawhi and paul george i go back to the east because lebron is most likely going to get better is most likely going to not get better but it's lebron he's probably going to run the the west or at least be one of the top seeds there uh golden state i know that you know they didn't make the playoffs this year but they're getting Wiseman back. They're going to have other draft picks. They're going to get Klay Thompson back. They're probably going to make moves because the the Warriors are not a very rebuild-esque team right now, and they don't seem like they have that culture that they want to rebuild. So they're going to be back. The Grizzlies are one of the best up-and-coming teams right now. The You have the team that you're down 0-2 right now, Dallas. Like They're one of the best teams right now. The Jazz are the one seed. The Nuggets as well. Like That was, what, six teams alone that are probably going to be better than you next season? Not to count. Oh, the Trailblazers are probably going to get better. Like. There are so, the Suns, I forget, the number two seed. Like, there are so many teams that are just going to get better, but you guys are most likely just going to get worse. So, you guys definitely had your window. I think last year was probably the perfect time for it. Um, you know, you can make whatever excuses you guys want. Like, oh, well, you know, there was a bubble, so there wasn't any fans. We had fans this year. 
and uh, you blew the first two games at home. So don't want to hear it. It sucks, though, because I, I do want the Clippers. I feel bad for Clippers fans, man, because you guys, like, the unluckiest franchise ever. And I, I once they got Paul George and Kawhi, I was like, okay, they'll probably reach one final. I thought they would reach one final minimum. And uh, they haven't done Oh, Zidane left uh, Real Madrid. That's wild. Well, and when you don't win a trophy, that's kind of going to happen. Anyway, uh, hello? Bleach Report, chill. You're not JP. You can't just interrupt the podcast. So, yeah, no, I feel bad for Clippers fans, but Clippers, man, kind of feel bad for you guys too, but also at the same time you put yourself in the situation. All right, next segment we're going to talk about Julio Jones because, you know, no, no, no big news around him or anything so stick around for that all right guys welcome back to the train camp podcast if you missed it in the first like we talked about news of the week as well as the whole Clippers situation both the present and the future of the clippers so now let's talk about you know no one's kind of i don't think anyone is anyone been, i don't think so i don't think anyone's talked about this yeah so i guess julio jones doesn't want to be in atlanta anymore I, i'm probably breaking news for you uh no so yeah it's first there was all the reports that they were shopping him and then it came out that he actually requested the trade and then his ass literally said i'm out of there so yeah let's talk about this Julio situation so first of all i don't think it's like a situation where julio doesn't want to be in atlanta i think it's you know his contract doesn't put him there atlanta's probably not going to be winning in the future and atlanta does respect julio enough where they're probably going to ship him where he'd like to go uh, but, you know, Atlanta's also going to have to ship somewhere where it bet, puts their franchise in a better position to succeed. I think this is one of the reasons they took Kyle Pitts this year um, was because they knew that they were going to lose Julio and they wanted to kind of replace someone somewhat of that caliber. And Kyle Pitts as a tight end, you know, is very similar because <laughs> uh, he's, a, he's a big body and he's a very, very fast tight end. Honestly, some people are like, he could be a wide receiver. And so, um, yeah, I think, you know, that was one of the big reasons why they took Kyle Pitts. I think it should have been more evident that when we figured out they were taking Kyle Pitts that Julio likely wasn't going to be there. Because, I mean, if Julio was going to stay, that would be really amazing to have, you know, Julio, Ridley, Kyle Pitts. And then, you know, if they needed Hayden Hurst, they could use him. But those three alone are three, like, the best weapons if, of course, Kyle Pitts stays up to what he's been, uh, like, hyped up to be. But, yeah, so then that happens. Um <sighs> Julio's hard because, like, a lot of people are saying, like, oh, I'd, I would easily, if I was the GM of, you know, insert favorite team here, I would give up a first for Julio. But, like, I think we're moving away from the area, like, the time of where skill position players go for first. I think the only people who will likely go for first are quarterbacks. Like, once Deshaun Watson eventually gets moved and, like, if uh, Aaron Aaron Rodgers was was going to be moved, they would probably have a bunch of firsts thrown at them. Or like Russell Wilson, they would have firsts. But in this situation, um, you know, skill positions can be easily replaced within the next two years. Obviously, that talent can't be, but you can get someone of good talent uh, within the next couple of years. I mean, I think the Steelers are kind of a good example of this. Like, they lost AB, and I'm not saying anybody on the Steelers roster right now is AB, but... Between, you know, Deontay Johnson, who's probably going to be a future star in the NFL, Chase Claypool, who's looking like a future star in the NFL, Juju Smith-Schuster, who's already kind of a proven guy, uh, and James Washington is a good, you know, fourth option, essentially. Uh, and now Eric Ebron and Pat, who the tight end they just drafted this year in the second round, like, they have weapons. And so, you know, Pittsburgh was, people are like, oh, Pittsburgh only got a third for Antonio Brown. Well, okay, you know, yeah, I know that the Texans got a two for DeAndre Hopkins. 
and that's better value. I think Pittsburgh probably could have gotten like a two, but you know, going back to the Julio situation, I think we're at the point now where skill positions, you know, mainly wide receivers and running backs are probably going to start just going, why am I yawning? I'm not even, t- I'm not even tired. Um, the skill positions are going to start going for like, you know, middle to upper second round picks and a couple thirds. Which I think is fair, especially in Julio's situation. You know, Julio, he's what, 32. Uh, he's been injured like every single season. He hasn't even played a full season in a while. Um, he still has the talent. I'm not going to say he doesn't have the talent, but it's like it's really hard to, you know, mortgage uh, somewhat of your future for a player that you're not sure is going to play the entire season. I think good examples of like trading first round picks are players that pan out for you. Um, you know, the DeForest Buckner trade, that definitely helped out the Colts. And you're not going to get a player at, you know, what pick did they have, 20, 23 or something like that. You know, you're not going to have a player that good at available, you know, of DeForest Buckner's ability available at 23, going back to the Sewers, not just coming to Sewer fan, but it's a good example, giving up your first-round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick. You're not going to get someone of Minka's caliber at, I think they, they would have had the 16th pick in that draft. So it's smart because you're getting a player who can help you both now and also um in the future but you know julio's hard because you don't know how much he's going to help you now if you're trading a first round pick you want a player who's going to help you 16 well now 17 out of 17 games in a season but you know when when you're trading someone to only help you out 17 games in three years or 17 games in two years it's not really worth it um and now if julio played seven like if you played a full season i think a like a lower first in the draft would actually be a pretty good bargain like a first and like maybe a fifth that's good but because of injury history i think you know his asking price should start i'm not saying like the 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 peak of it but the, the it should start at like a second and a fourth and then maybe even a third um and especially looking at teams that are going to be de- – because there's going to be a lot of teams desperate. I'll, 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 I'm going to give you my best fit in the teams that I think that should be aggressive. But the team I'm talking about right now that I don't think should trade for him, even though a lot of teams think he should – a lot of people think he should. I don't think Baltimore should trade for Julio because they can't afford to mortgage more of their future. Uh, they've already lost their tackle. Why am I yawning? Jesus. Yeah. Uh, they've already lost their tackle this year uh, in a trade. And the O-line is not getting much better. Uh, they will get, uh, oh God, who was it that went down? Trent, uh, Trent Brown. Uh, their left tackle that went down earlier in the season. They're going to get him back, obviously, from injury. But, you know, you, you need to be protecting Lamar. You also probably need to work on the defense a little bit because the defense will be aging. You know, Clay's Campbell's not getting any younger. Um, you're going to have some contract expiring. You have to replace some of those players. And so I don't think Baltimore can really afford to do it, especially because you're only going to get Julio probably for two years, maybe three um, and it's like a situation where, like I said, you're, he's not going to play 17 games, but a rookie will, and a rookie will also get better throughout time. You'll have you'll have that rookie for a minimum of five years. Uh, really, really, Bleach Report, you're not JP. Oh God, wait, hold up. Ten most depressed fan bases for the MLB. All right, what you got? What you got for me, Bleach Report? I number ten or number one should be the Pirates. Ten is the Diamondbacks. Nine, the Phillies. Eight, the A's. Well, not Oakland much longer. The Royals is seven. Baltimore is six. Minnesota's five. All right, boys. Pittsburgh's in the top five. Los Angeles Angels, four. That's so true. Detroit Tigers, three. Pittsburgh Pirates, two. Who'd you put above us? The Rockies? Why the Rockies? That's stupid. The Rockies should be like eight. Nah, Pittsburgh literally. <laughs> yeah, six straight losing season. Love that. Uh, anyway. 
No, so the, you guys just clicked off so fast. Uh, I just don't think that the Ravens can afford it. And they also just got Rashad Bateman. Uh, they have Marquise Brown, who I think is a good talent. They just haven't been utilizing him correctly. I like, oh, he's not there anymore. So Willie Sneed. Uh, Mark Andrews is a great tight end. I think J.K. Dobbins is going to evolve. So, you know, maybe next year they take another wide receiver, like in the second or third round. But they're going to have to start, you know, like I said, do you want a rookie player that's going to last you five years? Or do you want Julio Jones, who his contract's, I think, two years, and you're not going to get 24 game or 30 you're not going to get 32 games out of him you know maybe you get 24 um meanwhile rookie player you'll probably get all you'll get five seasons of 16 i'm not going to do that math you know fuck it i am let's see that's 15 times 4 is 60 15 times 5 is 75 then we have five extras that's that's 80 right there that's 80 games from a rookie um, you're not going to get that from Julio Jones. Julio Jones also probably doesn't resign with you guys. So there's no point to do it. Anyway, spent too long on that. The best fit, I think, for Julio is is the Chargers. I think the Chargers can afford it. Um, I also think that the Chargers have the best chance to retain him if once his contract is up. And I also, the Chargers are not in a situation where they're going to rely on Julio, where they, they can, it's a good thing if they have Julio, you know, seven to eight times a season because, where the Ravens, they, their second option would then be either Hollywood Brown or Rashad Bateman or, you know, Mark Andrews, arguably. But the Chargers, their second option would be Keenan Allen. Great second option. And, okay, let's say Keenan Allen gets hurt and the of Julio. Your second option is going to be Mike Williams. Great second option when he's healthy. And so and also the Chargers have proven to have a really good depth at wide receiver. Um and now that they don't have Hunter Henry, I think a third option would be really, really good for them. They could run a bunch of spread sets. And Justin Herbert, really, uh, if you get someone that has the playmaking ability that Julio Jones has, that really, really helps out Justin Herbert. And, uh, you know, now that Justin Herbert also has more time because they upgraded the offensive line, they're getting defensive players back. I think if Julio goes to the Chargers, which I think is the best fit for him, uh, not only do they have the best chance to retain him because it's L.A., you're going to want to live in L.A., and also, you know, you're in a brand new stadium. You're you're in a an up and coming market, and most likely the future of LA. I know everyone likes the Rams, but you know the the Chargers are much younger. They have a brighter future, hopefully. It, it's at least shaping out to be that way. Um, and so I think Julio like that. And also, you know, the Chargers can then next year draft because Keenan Allen's not young. He's not old, but he's not young. And Mike Williams, he's not young either. And so next year they can draft a wide receiver, maybe in the second or third round, who then can be mentored by Julio and Julio's last season if Julio doesn't want to resign, or maybe Julio just you know, wants to finish his career as a Charger or something like that. I think the Chargers are the best fit. But I do think there are teams that should go after Julio. Uh, the Colts, I think, again, it just makes sense. If you want to make Carson Wentz's transition to be in, being an Indianapolis Colt, then this is the best way to do it. Also, I mean, again, I don't think you should give up a first for Julio, but the Colts are one of the few teams that can do it because I think if you give up a first for Julio, if they win, I think, is it nine games, then Carson Wentz, the trade pick that they were getting from Philadelphia turns into a one. So you're essentially not losing a draft pick. Um, I wouldn't give up one this year for Julio because you could probably give up a two and a three and then have two first round picks next year, which would be awesome for you guys. But it makes the transition better. That means, you know, T.Y., who's also always hurt, 
he can be a number two. He doesn't have to roll. He doesn't have to kill his body so much. You get a Michael Pittman as number three, and that's great for Michael Pittman because that helps his development. He doesn't have to be rushed into the limelight. Um, I think that's kind of one of the things that helps. Uh, I hate talking about Steelers this much, but like Juju Smith-Schuster, at the time when he was drafted, he was drafted as a three because you had A.B. Martavis Bryant in it and Juju Smith-Schuster. I think that's one of the things that helped develop Juju into the player that he is now, and especially the player he was in the first two years, which everyone was like, yeah, Juju's good. Now everyone just called him TikTok boy, but he actually has talent. Um, and I think the thing that helped him out was, you know, there wasn't pressure to be a number one or even a number two. And I think if Michael Pittman's in that situation, that's really, really good for the Colts. Uh, next team, the Titans. I don't know how the Titans would pull this off cap-wise. You'd have to have a bunch of players restructure. But uh, I'm really worried about them. Me and JP talked about this in the last time we came on the pod. Make sure you guys check that out. Um, but, you know, with losing Arthur Smith to, funny enough, the Falcons, uh, I'm very worried about how the offense is going to look. Um, I think that's one of the reasons, you know, I don't think it's the full reason that Ryan Tannehill got fixed, but I think that Arthur Smith is a big reason that Ryan Tannehill kind of flourished after leaving Miami. And so, you know, I think adding in Julio Jones, that transition, again, it helps them out a lot. And you're also, it's nice when you have a most likely Hall of Fame wide receiver and also most likely if they stay on this path. Really? Bleacher Report? Are you serious? <laughs> uh, most likely... Hall of Fame running back in Derrick Henry because, okay, cool, well, the pass game is working out, so let's rely on one of the best running backs in the game right now. Okay, the run game's not working out. Let's rely on one of the best wide receivers and one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the game right now. So I think that's a good place for him to land. I think the Titans shouldn't go after him too much, though, because their defense is a little more important right now because their defense is not... They had some good pickups this season, but they're still not going to be a very good defense in my eyes. Uh, I'm going to save that team for last because that's probably the most important team on this list. Nets, next. Uh, the next three teams are actually going to be teams that have rookie quarterbacks in them. Number one, the Jaguars. I think the Jaguars could definitely do this. I think the Jaguars are actually one of the best spots to do it too because you're helping out Trevor Lawrence. And my asking price, like I said, it's a probably a two and either a three or a four. And I think that the Jags could throw in a young player. I think LaVishka Chenault could be a great player for them to give up. I think that they could acquire Julio Jones without, without having to give up um, without having to give up, like, DJ Shark. And I think if you have DJ Shark as well as Julio Jones as your weapons, that's great. And it sounds like they're basically going to use Etienne as, like, a slot receiver. So you have Etienne, Julio, and DJ Shark. That's great with James Robinson in the backfield. And honestly, I think the Jaguars are in a great situation because they could probably trade get Gardner Minshew. They could probably include Gardner Minshew in that trade. And Gardner Minshew could be the future of Atlanta. I think that's a real thing that could happen. If Atlanta, you know, obviously next year's draft class, I think the quarterbacks are going to be, there's going to be quarterbacks in the first round because there always are. But I think they're going to be a little overrated because this is a very good uh, quarterback draft class. And so... There's gonna be teams, there's gonna be teams that reach. I don't think Atlanta wants to be one of those teams. So if you get Gardner Minshew from, oh man, the more I think about this, the more I actually really like it. Uh, if you get you know Gardner Minshew and Lavisca Chanel in that trade with a two and a four or maybe even like a three for Julio, you guys win that. I don't think that the Jags would give that much. I think probably a two and a five with Gardner and Lavishka. I think that's a great package though because you can have Gardner sit behind you know one of the you know a veteran quarterback and MVP in Matt Ryan for a couple of years and then get better. And I think that's actually really smart. And the more I talk about this, I actually like that trade a lot for both teams because uh, you're not mortgaging your future and you're also not giving it, you're not losing too much. For, so the Jags aren't mortgaging their future too much. And then the Atlanta is also kind of saving their future a little bit with like getting Gardner Minshew, who I think is a really, really underrated quarterback and deserves to have a starting role in the NFL. Uh, next, the Jets, I think again, very similar. They have, they have the space and they have the uh, picks to acquire him and I, I I just 
I just think this is the best thing that they can do to help out Zach Wilson. I think you're in a really, really hard division defensively. You have three great defensive teams in that division, and uh, it's going to be really hard to win more than six games in Zach Wilson's first year, but I think that getting uh, Julio Jones will really help him out a lot. I'm not going to expand on it too much because it's very similar to what I was talking about the Jags. And then the Niners. Not only can the Niners, like, I don't think Trey Lance should start the season. I think it should be Jimmy for the first six games. And then, oh, my God, can we stop Bleacher Report? Now we're talking about the Titans star, A.J. Brown, talking about Julio Jones. Whatever. We're talking about the Titans. Um, yeah, the Niners, I think they should start Jimmy Garoppolo and then ease Trey Lance into it like week eight or something like that. And I think, again, if you have a, a wide receiver like Julio Jones and then you have, like, Brandon. Oh, they don't have Brandon. You can work he's on the pages. But if you have um, Debo Samuel on the other side and you have some healthy running backs, then you're putting your rookie quarterback in in good in a good situation to succeed. And I don't think the Niners are going to be this great team. I would take the under for them on the season win total, just because you know rookie quarterback and changing system, new defensive coordinator. I think that's gonna that's gonna have a minor step back, but I think that's just really really good for Trey Lance. Again, not going to go too much into that because it's very. I kind of expanded mostly on this, like how it helps out rookie quarterbacks when I talk about the Jags. So for the Jets and the Niners reasons relate to the Jags. Um, and then lastly, this is the team that I think needs to make this the most is the Packers. You guys have the space. You guys could totally pull this off. You need to save Aaron Rodgers in your relationship with him. This is easy. You could probably include Jordan Love in the trade. Like I was talking about with Gardner Minshew, you could probably, I mean, again, I don't think Aaron Rodgers hates Jordan Love. I think he hates the decision to take Jordan Love because he's like, okay, cool, they're giving up on me. But you know what? All right, fine. You want to make Aaron Rodgers happy? You're shipping away Jordan Love, who I actually really like as a quarterback. You're shipping him away. So Atlanta, you like that because you're getting possibly the quarterback of your future. You're getting Julio Jones. You're not giving up too much. Like I said, you're not going to give up a one. And it's a win-win for both teams. It's not as much as a win-win. I really like the Jags, the Jags more than I think about it. But I think the, the Packers are the most desperate team right now. They should be the most desperate team and should be offering the most for Julio Jones. That was fun. <laughs> Spent way too long talking about that. Let's hop into what I mean for the last, like, four minutes of the show. Uh, all right, so number one. If you're, if you're new here, you'll basically figure it out. It's just essentially like my hot taste. Like, but, I mean, why can't this happen? Okay, number one. I know the Clippers are down 0-2, and they're going to Dallas, and they no longer have home court advantage. But, I mean, why can't the Clippers figure this thing out and come back in the series? I said convincingly. Ah, kind of tasted bad saying that. I don't know. I just think, you know, between Ty Lue and, and, and the players who have more experience, there should be a chance that they can figure this out, and they also have the talent to figure this out, so I don't know how they will, but I mean, why why can't they? Usually I can expand more upon this, but that one's just more like <sighs> a taste of gross going out. So I'm not going to sit on it too much. All right, number two. I know that the prices are fucking ridiculous when it comes to NFL tickets, specifically SoFi Stadium. Like fucking ridiculous. Like the cheapest ticket, like I said, news of the week, $250. But I mean, with stadiums opening up, why can't the ticket prices get really cheaper and me and JP can then go to the Chargers-Pittsburgh game Sunday Night Football in November, I think November 11th, in SoFi Stadium? I'd love it. Me and JP would love to go to the Chargers-Steelers game. You tell me I get to go to LA? Hell, we'll do it a one-night thing. If the tickets are less than like 120 bucks, I'm totally going. Come on. Come on. The closer we get, I just need the tickets to drop in half. I just need the ticket prices to go 50%. And they don't even have the entire stadium available for for sale right now. So please, SoFi, please, please. 
so bad with JB. Please let this happen. Please drop your cheapest ticket. I will. I'll buy a nosebleed. I'll buy a nosebleed for like 120 bucks. I'll do it. That's fine. Everyone says there's not a bad seat in the house. I believe it. I just want to go. Please, but I'm not paying 250 for a nosebleed. No fucking way. Please. <laughs> and then the last, but I mean, <laughs> this one's so fucking stupid. I know this will never happen in a million years. Like a million years. Like, like I will probably win an Oscar before this ever happens. We'll see. <laughs> Doubt it, but we'll see. Uh, but I mean, with Undisputed and, you know, possibly legal trouble, why can't the Journey Camp Podcast take their spot on FS1? <laughs> Could you say that with a straight face? Yeah, I mean, come on. We got a good audience of, on average, like 20 viewers, maybe a comment, pretty good engagement. Like, I think it's like 10% of the people that watch these end up liking the video. So, hey, I mean, why not? <laughs> Thank you guys for joining me on the podcast. I think I started to lose my energy a little bit towards the end. I don't know why. I'm not tired. I don't know what the what's wrong with me. It's sunny outside. I, I've, if I'm fully full from eating, like fully full for me. Good job, Connor. So I don't know what's going on. So I apologize if I lost the energy for towards the end of this. But that is all. Uh, join me every single Thursday at 12:30. Even though we record these on Wednesdays. So again, if you what the what did the why is he talking about this? It already happened. Why is he why did he turned to Christopher Walken there for a second? Why is he talking about this? It already happened. I did didn't happen when I recorded this. Okay, this went up at 12:30 the next day. So also make sure to check out the links in the description. You guys always check those out, please. Please better educate yourselves. Uh, other than that, I'm gonna leave this podcast here, and I'll see you guys next week's podcast. See you guys later.